Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's look at Acts, the 10th chapter. We will begin here. I will reiterate some points that we've made. Our subject, as you know, is divine healing. As a matter of fact, we have devoted Wednesday evenings to the subject of divine healing and miracles and signs and wonders. Praise God. Because we believe in them. Isn't that right? We believe in them and therefore we act upon what we believe. And we're just creating an atmosphere of healing power, of dunamis, a cloud of glory, so that our Father may fulfill the good pleasure of His will in our lives. Now, I will reiterate a few points, and you'll say, well, why do you keep going over and over? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not in any hurry. I'm not in any hurry. I plan on being here as long as the Lord has told me to be here. That's how long I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. The word is eternal, the word is sure, the word is the same. And bless God, Peter said, as long as I'm in this vessel, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I am going to stir up your minds and put you in remembrance of the things that I've already said to you, even though I know you're already established in them, but I'm still going to stir up your minds and put you in remembrance so that you don't fall away from them. Amen? And so we're going to reiterate and reiterate and reiterate and reiterate and just go over and over and over and over and over until we get this so saturated inside our inner man that we just know that we know that we know that we know that we know that, bless God, He heals. Hallelujah. So, our purpose for our teachings is to present to you the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ. The reason for our teaching. The reason is the fact that divine healing has become more of a church doctrine than a reality. It's become more of a church doctrine than of a reality. We need to see the body of Christ walking, healthy, whole, completely healed from the top of their heads under the soles of their feet. If under the old covenant we can have two million Jews come out from Egyptian bondage and not one feeble one be among their tribes, and bless God, we come out of the bondage of Satan by the blood of the everlasting covenant, and we've got a God that can keep us, bless God, just as healthy as He kept them. Amen? Because we've got a better covenant established upon better promises. We said the goal of our teachings, the goal is to create this atmosphere of healing power and to develop faith in the power of God to heal the body and not in the wisdom of men. And it's time that somebody be bold enough to go back to the Word of God, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary, and present the truth of His twofold work of redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and the healing of the body. Amen? Praise God. In Acts the 10th chapter, verse 38, uh, we are using the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus as our example. Now, I, I could think about many ministers who had proven healing ministries and very successful healing ministries but I cannot think of one that was more successful than Jesus of Nazareth. So I have chosen Jesus of Nazareth to be our example concerning healing of our bodies. Now, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. The word there is dunamis. Greek, the Greek word is dunamis. It means miracle working power or ability. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all. How many? Say it loud. Oh, I like to hear that word. Heal all that were oppressed of him. Yes, bless God. Let's get our light and our dark in its proper place. The light is healing and the darkness is the devil's territory of sickness and disease. 
Jesus was the healer, or God's way of healing. Satan was the oppressor. Okay? But what did God use to heal through Jesus? He anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power, dunamis, and with the Holy Ghost and power, he went about and healed all that were oppressed of the devil. And he did good. So, healing is doing good, isn't it? He healed and he did good. How did he do all this? He did it by dunamis, miracle working power, the Holy Ghost. Now, we said, and I will reiterate as I said, I'm not going to go into detail, but we said some key words, and I suggest if you have not been with us, this is our fifth lesson, get the tapes. You say, why do you emphasize getting the tapes? Beloved, I can't preach all that I want to preach in one sermon. I just, I don't, you know, I, I never finish, I just stop. I just keep on going. Pick it up where we left off. Pick it up where we left off. Because you can't get everything in one lesson. You can't get everything in one sermon. And you've got to get the whole context of what's being said. It is an in-depth study of the Word of God to understand the healing of the body. And I want you to know something, that Jesus was God's only way of healing and power to promote our health. You know that. They live by it and they walk by it. And we're going to see this as we go along. And what we're endeavoring to do is to turn our faith upward towards God and towards His healing power and turn it away from the wisdom of man. And when I say that, all I'm saying is it's time that we begin to rely on the power of God and not trust something that cannot be trusted fully. Don't forget that Jeremiah 17, chapter verse 5 says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and make it flesh his arm. Because the arm of the Lord is not too short, lest God, and He'll reach out and heal you and touch your body and make you whole. He's the perfect physician. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Now, we said that the key words, when we look through some incidents in the life of Jesus in His healing ministry, were faith and power. And turn to 2 Thessalonians, first chapter. Again, I will reiterate verse 11. Verse 11, we see the words faith with power. There is a working called the working of faith with power that Paul was praying for the church at Thessalonica that God would fulfill this work of faith and power in their public assembly. And let's read it. Wherefore also we pray always for you. Second Thessalonians 1.11. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would, number one, count you worthy of this calling. We said last week that was number one. Number two, and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness. And number three, and the work of faith with power. And the way that He was going to do that we saw in verse three. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren as it is meet, because that, number one, your faith groweth exceedingly. Number two, your charity of every one of you is toward each other is abounding or uh, growing in abundance. And number three is found in verse four, where he said, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. In other words, they were enduring the tribulations and the persecutions that were coming their way from the outside and even within through faith and patience. And in the next verse, he went on to say that God would count them worthy, which is a manifest token of the righteous, righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom. That you may be counted worthy. I emphasize and reemphasize and reemphasize this because this is very important in public assembly. We all make up the habitation of God in the Spirit. Your brother or sister's healing may hinge upon your being in the Spirit. And when we are here, we are to be growing in faith exceedingly. And when we are gathering together, our love toward one another should be abounding. And because we believe like we believe, in case you haven't noticed, we will be persecuted and tribulation will come our way because of our faith in God. But through faith and patience, bless God, we can endure it so that the Father will count us worthy of this calling into the kingdom of God. With that type of atmosphere, he will fulfill the good pleasure of his will also, and he will fulfill the work of faith with power. 
And he wants to do that in every public assembly. But not every one of them is growing in faith and love one toward another. And many are not enduring the persecutions or the afflictions that are coming their way. But bless God, that's old hat by now. Amen? I mean, they can persecute and talk all they want, but bless God, it doesn't matter to me. I'm going on with Jesus. I'm going to be, I'm walking in the light of His Word. Amen? I haven't come to play church, but I've come to have a good time in God. Oh, hallelujah. And just be filled with the fragrance of His presence. Amen? Amen. Well, then we went on to say that these mighty works that He wrought were wrought by this power through His hands. And there were other methods, but primarily He laid His hands upon the sick. Remember over there in Luke 4.40, when it came to the evening time, they brought unto Him many that were sick. Oh, many that were sick. And it says He laid His hands on every one of them, and He healed them. Well, the work of faith with power in divine healing, we found out this truth, that healing is based upon the condition of the degree of power that's being released into the body and also the degree of faith that's being released to receive that and activate that power. Because when Jesus laid His hands upon them, the anointing of the power that He was anointed with went out of Him into them. We called it the law of contact and transmission. When His hands touched the people it transmitted the dunamis or the virtue or the healing power of God into their bodies. And when they activated that power by faith, it affected a cure in their bodies or cast out devils. Now, we saw in Mark 6-2 that it was mighty works that were done by His hands. Mighty works. But we also found out that unbelief stopped the flow of that power. And in case you didn't see it, go back to Mark 6. We'll look at it very quickly. Because it ties in with this work of faith and power. Notice it's not just the work of power. It's the work of faith with power. It's not just the power. The power is not enough to do it. It's got to be the work of faith with power. If the power was enough, my friends, none of us would have to have faith. I said if the power was enough, not a one of us would have to have faith. I guarantee you, many times as, as we minister, just as we minister to the Lord this evening, this place is saturated with His work. It is saturated with His power and His glory and His mind. It's here. I mean, it's prevalent in this place. It's in us. It's over, overflowing. But we need to ignite it. We need to tap into it. We need to release it by faith, by our faith. See? Now, in Mark 6, 2, it says mighty works were done by His hands. But as you go up to Mark 6, 5, you find out that there He could do no mighty works... And we said the word mighty is dunamis. He could there do no dunamis works or mighty works except he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them with just a few minor ailments. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. We've established this. You should be taking notes and writing these things down. Faith and power work together to activate God's healing so that I can be healed or help somebody else to be healed. But unbelief drastically reduces the effectiveness of that healing power to such a degree that it may heal some with minor ailments, but it will not do mighty works. It will not do mighty works. And you remember that Jesus went about upgrading the cities where He did the mighty works because they did not repent. Do you remember? We read that also. He upgraded the cities because they did not repent after they saw the mighty dunamis works that took place. Again, because of unbelief. And unbelief, again, stopped or greatly reduced the effectiveness of the power of God to heal the body. We said there were three ways, at least we could uh, share with you, that this healing power was transmitted. We already saw, number one, by the laying on of hands, Luke 4.40. Jesus laid His hands upon the sick and they recovered. Dunamis, or healing power, was transmitted from Him to them to effect a cure in their bodies. We also said that this power can be stored up in clothing or prayer cloths or aprons, such as in Acts 19, 11, and 12, where we saw that, the, that God did special miracles, by the, you know, many miracles by the hands of Paul, so that they were brought unto him hankies and aprons, or handkerchiefs, and they were brought them unto him, he laid his hands upon them, and when they were taken from him, 
they were brought to the sick, and the sick were healed, and the demons or the evil spirits were cast out of the people. So we see that this dunamis, or this healing power of God, can be stored up, as in storage batteries, stored up in prayer cloths or heating cloths, or stored up also, let's uh, give you the instance of the woman with the issue of blood, it was stored up in the garment of the Lord Jesus, in his robe, in his garment. So that when she touched the hem of his garment, she was made instantly whole, and Jesus said that virtue has gone out of me, or the writer said, virtue has gone out of him, Virtue is the same word dunamis or healing, miracle working power went out of him when she touched him. But we found out again, and you'll find in every instance that something like this happened, that Jesus said, daughter, it was your faith. See, the work of faith with dunamis. It was your faith that made you whole. Not the power, but your faith that tapped into the power that made you whole. Okay, that's the second way. Then the third way we find in, the, well, I gave you these scriptures before. I, I don't want to go over them again. It's in Mark 7 of the Syrophoenician woman and Matthew 8 of the Roman centurion. The third way that that healing power can be transmitted or virtue can be transmitted is by word. By word. Words are containers just as that power was contained inside the clothing or the prayer cloth. Words also are containers that are filled with faith and power. Now, that's not hard to understand when you realize that in the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, we're told that God or Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Amen? By the word of his power. Now, the thing I want to emphasize here, uh, because we do live in the New Testament, you know, not in the Old Testament. We live in the epistles. I want to emphasize that the greatest act of faith that we know of as reported by Jesus and complimented by Jesus is the faith of the Roman centurion and the faith of the Syrophoenician woman. And when you study both of those incidents out, you find out that Jesus said they both had great faith because they believed in their words. Now hear me. The Roman centurion comes into the city, Capernaum, and he sees Jesus and uh, he says, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I'll come and heal him. Now, he could have laid hands on him. He was going to lay hands on him. That would have been a degree of faith. Or he could have taken a cloth, a prayer cloth, and said, go, you know, do it this way. But the centurion said, not so, Lord. I'm not worthy that you should step foot under my roof. You speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus marveled and said, I've not found so great faith. You talk about dunamis. See, the dunamis is always great. It's always there. But now we're talking about great faith. Jesus said this man had great faith. You know, great faith produces great results. Great faith. See, you can't tell me that it's not faith. It's faith. Bless God, it's faith. Little faith, little results. Great faith, great results. And I, I often questioned before and said before I knew any better, well, what made this man's faith so great? Why wasn't anybody else's faith great? Well, it was because this man believed in nothing he can see. He believed in words. You speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus called that great faith. And then again in Mark 7 where we got the Syrophoenician woman. You know that she was persistent and everybody, you know, compliments her and talks about how persistent that she was and bless God for all that. But they neglect the one saying of Jesus as to why. I'm curious about the how and the why. I thank God for the testimonies, but I want to know why and I want to know how. Because I figure this. If a woman with the issue of blood's faith could make her whole, and if the Roman centurion's great faith could make his son whole, and the Syrophoenician woman's faith can get that devil out of her daughter, then bless God, my faith can be able to set me free also. Amen? And so, here's what, here's what Jesus said to her. He said, because of this saying, the devil is gone out of your daughter. Oh, woman, great is thy faith. You know, the two writers in Matthew and Mark both wrote, wrote a little bit different as to what Jesus said. I believe in Matthew it says, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. And Mark said, 
that Jesus said, because of this saying, the devil has gone out of thy daughter. And I believe that we need to put them together. They weren't written to contradict one another, but they were written to complement one another. And I believe it was like this. Jesus said, Oh, woman, great is your faith, and because of that saying, the devil's gone out of your daughter. That's what he meant. So, we see that this power can be transmitted by words. Faith fields words are containers. They contain the very power and faith of God. And the reason why I said we need to emphasize this is because we live in the dispensation of the word of grace and the word of faith. And basically, that's our way of receiving from God. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them. Amen? Okay. Well, now let's go on. I, I don't like to be, uh, you know, negative but uh, we have to point out sometimes the negative side so that we can, you know, emphasize and the, the positive side and, and uh, see it a little bit more clearly. Let's look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We've already said that unbelief stops the effectiveness of the power of God to carry out His will and good pleasure in our lives. Well... Alright, that's what Mark said. Matthew agrees. But look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. The fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. In Hebrews 4, and we'll we'll read verse 1 and 2. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. Now, when you, when you see the word gospel there, you know, circle it. I know it means good news, but the Bible does say, let, let's dig in deep and, you know, get something that's deep in the word of God and begin to use the word of God to complement what each writer is saying. Now, I believe Paul's the same writer, but whether he is or not, they still, what was said in Romans complements what's said right here. The gospel... Paul said in Romans 1.16, is the power of God unto. Isn't that right? Didn't he say the gospel is the power of God? Isn't that right? The gospel is the dunamis of God. Did you hear me? The gospel is the dunamis. Oh Lord, send the power. He says, it's on your lap. Uh-huh. The gospel is the power, the dunamis of God. And the gospel, look at this. The gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Well, why not? Not being mixed with what? It's the work of faith with power. Isn't that right? This gospel can be profitless to you if we have unbelief. And you know, in the day that we live in, man has built many bridges. I shared with you that they used to walk on the water for so many years. Then when man built the bridge, they stopped walking on the water and they went across the bridge. I don't know about you, but I'd just continue walking on the water. Wouldn't you? And man, in the last couple hundred years, has built many bridges. Many different ways that you can try to you know, get your healing. There have been many different bridges when it comes to the uh, fact of healing. But you know what? Not one of these bridges, when it gets down to the death sentence... Is going to help you. You say, why are you emphasizing God's way of healing? Because, beloved, God's way of healing, even when there's a death sentence pronounced, will still heal you. And I want to learn everything I can learn about it. Don't you? I don't claim to know it all, but I'm learning. And I've been studying healing since I've been saved. That's almost six years now. And I've been studying it, and I'm learning more every day. I learn more about God's healing power as I study it daily. And you should be doing the same thing. Amen? For the purpose and well, for the fact that Jesus died for your healing and for your sins. And we should be studying righteousness and we should be learning how to be healed by the Lord. Now here, the gospel did not profit these people or the power. The power. The gospel is the power of God. The power did not profit them. The gospel did not profit them. They didn't mix any faith with it. They had unbelief. Uh, for verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter 
into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So you see, God wants us, the Father God wants us to enter into his rest of healing. And he wants us to be a, a vessel that's filled with his very life and presence. In such a way that the life or the inner cause, let's say the, the life within, the inner cause, is so far greater than the outer effect. You see, the outer effect is, let's say, the healing of your body. But the inner cause is more precious. A million times more precious than the outer effect. That life that's in me is the life and the nature of God Himself. And that life that's in you is the life and the nature of God Himself. And that's far greater than the effect it has on my body. That effect of that life on my body means complete health. That's what it means when we fully understand it. When we understand the fullness of, of that life that's in us. But the cause, the inner cause is far greater than the outer effect. And we'll be touching some of these areas when we get into teaching uh, along the lines of why we can be healed or how Jesus provided healing for us. So we see here that, again, we have another scriptural reference that teaches us that unbelief will stop the power of God from working in your life. Now, listen to this. Jesus said that it was expedient for you that I go away. As long as Jesus was in the earth, Jesus was the power of God. Right? As long as Jesus was here on earth, Jesus was the power of God in the earth himself. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. Jesus was the power of God. Well, Jesus hasn't changed. I mean, he was Christ in the beginning, came and his name was Jesus, and he went off back into glory. But from the beginning, he upheld all things by the word of his power. Jesus is the word of God's power. Right? Okay. He happened to come in physical form. And when he was here, he was still upholding all things by the word of his power. Jesus being the Word of God. The Word was made flesh. Okay. The Word of His power. Again, the Word of His power. But before He left, Jesus said, it's expedient or more profitable for you than I go away. Now, wait a minute. Let's, let's um, evaluate that. Here He is. He's right there. And when Brother John gets down with the flu, He just goes, be healed. Oh, can you imagine walking with the Master? Can you imagine John laying his head upon his bosom? Can you imagine sitting under the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? Walking hand in hand for three and a half years with the Master. Learning. You talk about revelation knowledge. Oh, how he said there's some things I can't even tell you yet. But the Spirit of God will come. He said, now listen. Here he is to lay his hands upon them. What could be more profitable than having Jesus live in your house? Or what could be more profitable than you walking in the earth with the Master and serving under His ministry? What could be more profitable? But He declares to His disciples, it is more profitable for you that I go away. Because if I go not away, then the Comforter will not come, who is the Holy Ghost. Okay. Here's what He was saying. When I go away, now I can be with you to lay my hands on you, to heal you and to preserve you and to keep you. But when I go away, he said, I will go and get the Father, and the Father and I will come in the presence of the Holy Ghost, and I won't walk with you, but I will be in you. Now, the power whereby he upholds all things has been imparted into our spirits. Jesus is in me. Jesus is in you. And the same dunamis power is not coming on you to heal you, but as a born-again, spirit-filled, New Testament believer, the power is within you. Romans 8.11 says that if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, then that same spirit will quicken your body, your mortal body. God will quicken your mortal body by the spirit that's dwelling inside of you. There it is. That's why he said it's profitable. Well, the gospel did not profit them. Well, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel is not that Jesus just came and healed the sick. But the gospel, my friends, is that Jesus came to the earth. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He also went upon the tree and took the sicknesses and the diseases of the world. He also died for us. 
went into the lower parts of the earth, suffered for us, paid the price for us, was raised from the dead for us, was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high after he purged our sins and offered up his blood upon the mercy seat and having tents of worship and blessed God. The gospel is that he has come unto you and made his home and is abiding within you right now. That is the gospel, and the gospel will not profit you if there's unbelief mixed with it. The gospel is that he took your sins and took your sickness. And if you don't believe he took your sickness, then the gospel will not profit you because of your unbelief. But I believe, bless God, that he took all my sin, so sin has no dominion over me. And I believe that he took all my sickness, and sickness has no dominion over me. That is faith in the gospel. That's why I say he's upholding you by the word of his power. And if you don't believe that word, then it will not uphold you when it comes time that your body needs to be healed. I don't believe in preaching a half-hearted gospel, my friends. I believe in what it says. And that's what it says. I have to believe and preach what it says. He took them. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And he just give it right out to you. And, and I think one scripture uh, could give you, well, probably two, the whole gospel. That's Romans 5.12. By one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world, death by sin, so that death passed on all sin, all men, all of sin, and sickness and diseases, which are just death, just death, death in motion, they came along with it. But bless God, even though Adam allowed death to come into the world by his disobedience, the gospel is this, that Jesus came to bring life, not death. And when he came, he brought life, and light, and immortality to light. And when He came, He took all these things away from us, made us righteous, and blessed God by one man's obedience, all you that believe on Him have passed out of death, and all that death stands for, and into life, and all that life stands for. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the word whereby you are upheld. See? And that's why Christians are having a hard time getting their healing. They're looking to the other methods. And I'm not opposed to the other methods. I use those other methods. But they're missing out on God's number one way to the church. And that is that the Word will uphold you. He sent His Word and healed you. And if you'll just believe that He took them all and you don't let them live in your body, that's God's best way for you to be healed. Highest type of healing is that way. Well, now, let's... In case you don't... I'll give you that scripture in case you don't know where it's at. 2 Timothy 1.10 where Paul said that Jesus... Matter of fact, look at it. Let's look at it. Jesus abolished death because this is very important. I don't want to go over these scriptures without you seeing them for yourself. You might think I'm preaching another gospel. You might think that it's not in there, but it is. 2 Timothy and the first chapter in verse 10... <clears throat> And let's read it. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Now remember, Adam brought death. He brought sin and death by sin. And sickness and disease and all that goes with it. Who hath abolished death? If that doesn't make you shout. If that doesn't stir you up. Jesus abolished death and brought life. That's Zoe. And immortality to light through what? Which is the power of God. Which is the power of God. Jesus did that for us. He abolished death. He abolished all that Adam did. Destroyed it. All that Satan stands for. Sickness and disease and everything that goes with it. It's abolished. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And he succeeded in destroying the works of the devil. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He brought life and immortality to light. But it's through the gospel. And the gospel will not profit you if you don't mix faith with it. So we need to mix faith with it. And we will be touching the area of faith as we go along in these meetings. Now, let me give you an example. While you're um, finding the fifth chapter of Mark. The power, the dunamis of God is not only ever present. 
but it's also abiding in us. It's abiding in us. We have a unique relationship with the Lord. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Now, if you recall, you remember where the prophet Joel said that in the latter days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, etc. You know, under the Old Testament, the, uh, only the prophet, the priest, and the king had the Spirit of God abiding on them. The prophet, the priest, and the king had the, had the Holy Spirit upon them. But there was a time coming, he said, when God was going to outpour, pour out His Spirit on all flesh. The reason being, because at this time, when everybody is born again, God can do that. Man's spirit being regenerate, He can pour out His Spirit upon everybody. It was His desire from the beginning. But he couldn't trust everybody with his spirit, so he had to call and anoint certain individuals. The prophet, the priest, and the king. Okay. In the New Testament, he pours out his spirit upon everybody. That's why our relationship is unique. We're joined in the Lord. We are one spirit with the Lord. And not only is that spirit and that power resident or, or, or here, present here, but it's resident inside of us. We are joined into the Lord, and we are one spirit with the Lord, and that healing power is already at work in you when you got born again. It's there. We have got to learn how to let it flow into our bodies, let it flow from the inner man into the outer man to affect a cure or healing or to keep us healthy. Now, I use this as an example. I think it's, it's clear and precise. If I were to shut off all these lights in this building, you know, it would be pretty dark in here. And you couldn't see very well. And without light, even though we have electrical power, even though we have uh, outlets every so many feet along the wall, if you had your tape recorder and one of your favorite teaching tapes on, and all the lights were out and it was dark, the power is there. You have the means whereby to plug into it. But you can't see your way to get to that outlet. I remember doing this for Lisa when some of the hotter days of the summer and uh, her light's out and everything and it's dark in the room and she says, Daddy, put the fan on for me. And so, you know, you don't want to walk over there to turn on the light because it's just right over there and I just pick up the plug and I'm going... <laughs> trying to get that... And then you're putting your finger by there, right? You know, where's that hole at? And you're trying to get... And you go, oh, either you're going to get it and... Uh, praise God, you're going to turn on that light, right? So you can get that thing. Well, the power was there, but it wasn't working. I mean, if all the things I needed were there, the power was there, it was turned on, the plug was in my hand, but it was dark, I couldn't see. I couldn't get it in that outlet. I couldn't make connection. That's all that stopped that power from flowing to provide for her a little bit of comfort was for me to get it in that right outlet, get it in that right channel. That's all I had to do. But you see... I didn't have the light. I couldn't do it without the light. Well, you might be able to get it after you, you know, fumble around for a while. Well, there's a lot of Christians that are fumbling around in darkness when it comes to the healing of their bodies. The power is there. The power is in you. The power is all around us. And we need the teaching ministry. That's why Jesus, because they were in unbelief, went about teaching in their synagogues. At Nazareth, when they didn't believe, their unbelief stopped the power from flowing, he had to give them light. The teaching ministry is designed to produce light. The entrance of thy word giveth light. When that light comes into your spirit, it's like turning on that little light inside that room and I can see clearly how to tap into that power. And then, you know, I'm not fooling around and saying this doesn't work. Well, some Christians are. Well, this I try to get healed from God, but it just doesn't seem to work. And you're like this. You're fumbling around in the dark trying to make connection, but you're not making that connection. You're not releasing that faith. You need to learn how to use your faith. You've got to know how. You need to have the light of how to plug into that power and use that power. Even though it's there, it won't do any good if you can't get into it. And so Jesus brought this life and immortality to light. See, He brought it to light. That's what He came. I am the light of the world. Any man that follows after me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life, the light of life, and he'll be able to see his way clear to tap into that power to produce whatever you want. Healing, salvation first, of course, healing, etc. So uh, don't, don't wallow in unbelief. Let the light be turned on. I don't care how many times you tried. Don't go away and say it doesn't work. 
You just keep letting that light get lighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until one day you can see that outlook clearly and you can plug into it. You follow me? You see what I'm saying? God is always ever present. His power is the same. Luke 5 says the power was present to heal them, but them didn't get healed. I keep emphasizing it. I know that, but that's okay. We need to hear it again. The power was present. The power was there, but them didn't get healed. The one with faith got healed. That's the only one that got healed. See, they came there with wrong motives. They were in darkness. But if they'd have sat and listened to what Jesus was saying, they'd have got it too. They'd have learned how to receive their healing. Okay. The power... I believe that we need to realize is the power of God's love. It's not just the presence of God. Well, you know, when we talk about God's presence, we talk about light, we talk about life, we talk about love. But I think that the biggest drawback in the lives of many Christians concerning the healings of their body is the fact that they don't know how much God loves them. The gospel is the gospel of love. I don't care how we look at it. I don't care how many people try to put condemnation on you. God's word reveals to us his love for us. The power to heal is basically found in God's compassion to a dying humanity. Jesus was moved with compassion to heal all those that came to him. The only motivation of his heart was that of compassion. God so loved you that he gave Jesus his way of healing and power to promote your health. God so loved us that he provided for us a Savior. If he didn't spare Jesus, how shall he not with Jesus freely give us all things? God loves us so much. The Father's love is so outpouring. That's that flow of power coming your way. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Remind yourself over and over and over and over again how much the Father's love is being outpoured to you right now. He sees everybody. I said this when I first started. I have to throw it in here. In the love chapter, we're told that God is love and love is God. God is love. Love endures long and is patient and kind. God endures long with you. God is patient and kind with you. How many times did you fall down? It don't matter. It don't matter. God's not condemning you even though other people are. He loves you. Some people uh, are leery about asking him to heal them because he says, well, you know, I've, I've been disobedient. I didn't do what God wanted me to do. But bless God, if you go to him, Jesus will talk to you just like he did with the woman that was taken in adultery. Say, bless God, I don't condemn you. He loves you. He's Not only is he patient and kind with us, but bless God, he believes the best about me. You know, I've been walking around saying that. You know, my father believes the best about me. He said, how can you say that? Well, God is love, and that's what love is. The Bible says that love endures long and is patient and kind, and love believes the best about every person. My father believes the best about me, and your father believes the best about you. You ever hear people talk about what God thinks about them? Well, you know, God wouldn't do that for me because, you know, I'm dumb. You know, God believes the best about you, friend. I said, God believes the best about you. What's God believing about you? The best. The best. The best that he can believe. If you're in Christ Jesus, he believes the best about you. If you're not in Christ Jesus, he loves you and still believes the best because he gave the best for you. It don't matter. But how much more that we're, now that we're in the faith, is he providing deliverance for his children? So think about that as you go along. And every time you read that love chapter, you, you insert that in there. God believes the best about me. The Father looks at only the good side of me. The Father God is enduring along with me. He's patient with me. He's kind towards me. Bless God, that's his attitude towards me. I like that attitude, don't you? That's what his nature is. Okay, now here I want to bring out to you an example. And what we really want to do here is diagnose this woman's case. Uh, Mark 5, 25. We want to diagnose her case. And as I was meditating this and studying this, um, the Spirit of God more or less opened it up to me in a way that I should take verse by verse and just, just begin to diagnose her case. In verse 25, we have a certain woman. We realize that she was a Jewish woman. And no doubt she probably loved God. Nobody special in the sight of man, but just another woman. A Jewish woman that loved God. A certain woman. Jesus called her a certain woman. He didn't say a special woman, but he said a certain woman. In other words, it's for certain that she existed. It's, it's a real story. 
It's not just something that he made up. And this certain woman had an issue of blood. Look at the next verse. Well, the latter part of that verse. She had an issue of blood for how many years? Twelve years. So we diagnose her case as having an issue of blood or an outflowing of blood for twelve years. Now, I think you should know then that she was in a bad condition. This woman was diagnosed as having an issue of blood. Her ailment, her sickness persisted for 12 years. She suffered many things of many physicians. Let's stop there just for a minute. Why is that the testimony of many that try to get help from man? But it is. You think about it. You think about the testimony of those that seek man's way. And I, again, I want to reemphasize this. I think I, keep, I have to keep doing this. I am not speaking against the medical field. I am giving you facts that we have to live with. Brother was telling me here, Brother Sherman back there, that a boy went in. I don't, I don't know. I didn't read it. He, he said he read it. A brother went into a dentist's office to have two teeth pulled, right? And they put him to sleep, you know, to take the two teeth out. Gave him an anesthetic. And he never woke up. 27-year-old boy, is that right? 27? 27-year-old boy. Only went in to have two teeth out. Pulled out. And he died. Think, just think about that. I'm just giving you facts. These are facts. Think about it. And we can go on and on and on and on and on. You know, about many things that happened. This woman suffered many things of many physicians. Here's the point. She was nothing better. I think that's significant. I think Jesus put this in here for, us, for a purpose. The Word. I say Jesus the Word. Jesus is the Word. Bless God. The Spirit of God inspired him to write this Word. The Spirit of God put that in there. It didn't have to say that. There could have just been a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. Period. She touched Jesus and she was healed. Period. But he's saying to us something here. And I believe we need to know it. That man is not God's way. But this woman suffered many things. She suffered even more. She suffered with the sickness. And now she suffers even more to the physicians. Many things. And was nothing better, but rather she grew worse. Well, that's her, we'll diagnose her case even further. It goes on to say that she heard of Jesus in the next part. Well, now let's back up. I think we'd better not skip that. She spent all that she had. She spent all that she had. I said she spent all that she had. You know, you can spend all that you have if you have to spend any length of time in a hospital without hospitalization. Very fast. It wouldn't take you but a week. And then to be so far in debt, you'd have no way to get out of it. I mean, you might as well say amen to this too. Isn't that right? Someone said, well, don't you believe in the blue cross? I said, well, thank God for the old rugged cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sure. And thank God for these provisions that are, you know, through companies and everything that you have. Thank God for it. But does that give us an excuse not to learn God's way? No. We're not to cross these bridges, you see, and use man's bridges when we got God's way. And he wants us to learn his way. She spent all that she had. She spent all that she had was nothing better, but rather grew worse. All of a sudden, she heard. Now, are you ready? She heard of who? Who's God's way of healing? Okay. She heard of Jesus. And it doesn't say she spent a dime. Aren't you glad? He didn't take out his hat and have an offering. Aren't you glad? He didn't have to see her papers, insurance papers. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I am. I thank God for his way, don't you? Okay, she didn't spend a dime, not a nickel. She heard Jesus. And then she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Well, first of all, here's what was brought to me. Who told her of Jesus? She's confined to a place that, you know, she's unclean. Someone told her uh, of Jesus. And what did this someone tell her about Jesus? Wouldn't you like to have been there? 
Wouldn't you like to have that little next door lady be on fire like that one was? Hey, woman with the issue of blood, I just heard something that you need to know. There's a man named Jesus of Nazareth. He's walking up and down the streets of Galilee. We believe he's a prophet of God. He's going about doing good and healing all that's oppressed by the devil. It doesn't matter whether they're lunatic, demon-possessed. It doesn't matter whether they have the palsy. It doesn't matter what kind of sickness, tuberculosis. It doesn't matter what it is, leprosy. Bless God, all those that come and touch the hem of his garment, all those that come near him, they are instantly made whole. Can you imagine the fire that was lit under that woman? Whoo, glory! Not what some people say today. Yeah, well, God will heal you if he wants to. But if you don't want to heal you, you know, oh, I don't want that to be my neighbor to you. I don't want to be on, a, on a, my deathbed and have someone come on, please, that unbelief down my back, would you? Bless God, hallelujah. This woman was, a, uh, she was just on fire when she heard about Jesus. And, and so, it, I see this. Whatever she said, and whoever it was, lit a fire that caused her to get out of bed and touch the garment of Jesus. Amen. It produced faith in her, I know that, because Jesus said her faith made her whole, and faith came up by hearing the word. So that woman preached the word of God to her, and bless God, it ignited her. She got on fire, and she got out of that bed and went to find out about Jesus, and bless God, she left everything else. Well, let's go on here. She said, if, what caused her to do it? Well, let's see what caused her to do it over here. She said, for she said, I like it. If I may but, if I may touch the hem of his garment, or but his clothes, I shall be whole. There is not one iota of unbelief in that statement. If I but touch his garment, I will be whole. You see, this isn't faith for somebody else, my friend. This is her. When she heard the word, it produced something in her called faith. And her faith spoke and said, that's her faith speaking. I don't care what your way is do it, to do it. I don't care if you say, when the brother lays hands on me, I'll be healed. I don't care if you say that when I jump up ten feet in the air, I'll be healed. I don't care if you say that when I close my Bible, I'll be healed. I don't care what you say. But let the word produce faith in your heart, and you fix a landmark in your life, a point of contact, where the power or the dunamis of God will be released in your life, and you'll be healed. This woman said, when I touch this garment, I will be healed. That's her faith speaking. Now we see we got faith. We know we got power because Jesus is on the scene. Well, and straightway, and straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. 29 says she felt it. There's something about coming in contact with the power of God that you can even feel in your body. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now, she spent 12 years suffering many things of many physicians. She spent all that she had. She was nothing bettered. She rather grew worse. She heard of Jesus. It is faith. She touched the dunamis, the power of God, and within a matter of moments, she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. It didn't cost her a cent. It didn't cost her any money. She didn't suffer anything. Bless God, and she was totally delivered. Now, I don't know about you, but in our evaluation, I have to say that I've got one on the side for Jesus. Amen. How about you? I want Jesus to be my healer, don't you? Well, let's look at the next verse. This is very important. Jesus immediately knowing. See, really, this is not in sequence. As you can see, they're going back and forth in the writing. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. This is when he, she first touched him. Turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, the disciples respond in the physical realm. The word virtue there is dunamis. That's healing power. That's the same word we've been talking about. We find that faith is used in verse 34, which we won't get to yet, but Jesus said it was your faith. So now we see the work of faith and power, right? Like we said before, the work of faith and power. The disciples answered to him in a physical realm, and in verse 31 they say, And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging me, and sayest thou who touched me. Now we've got to evaluate this and realize that first of all, you can touch Jesus physically when he was here, or you could touch him spiritually. 
You could touch him with your hand or you can touch him with your face. It was not the physical touch of the woman, but it was the spiritual touch because Jesus said, when somebody touched me, I felt virtue go out of me. The multitude was thronging him and there was many touching him. And they said, who in the world did you say, you know, well, how could you say that when you see all these people around you touching you? Why are you saying who touched me? But Jesus, the virtue gone out of him. He turned himself about in press. He wanted to know who it was. Look at the next verse. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, and I like this verse being in here, and told him Jesus wanted to hear her testimony. There's not one person that he's ever healed that he don't want to hear your testimony. Don't you walk off and say, well, you know, God did something, it's just a little thing. That's not a little thing God did for you. Jesus stopped right there, and you know where he was? He was on the way to Jairus' daughter who was dying. He stopped right there and said, I want to see this woman that touched me. I want to hear her testimony that done this thing. And you know what? It says she told him what? Just like a little woman that likes to, like to testify, right? Told him all the truth. I could just see it. Well, you know, Lord, I went and see Dr. Jones 12 years ago. That's probably where she started. And he told me I had an uh, issue of blood. Then I went to see Dr. Smith, and he said the same thing. Then my neighbor said, you better get more than one opinion. So I got three, four, five, and I saw many positions, many things, and I got broke. And I was nothing better, but I'd rather do it. But then I was laying there after 12 years, and I knew I was dying. And uh, my neighbor lady came over to me, and she runs kind of house. And she, you know, she wasn't supposed to do this, but, she, but she, she's a friend of mine. She's the only one that communicates with me. She's the only one that even looks at me. You know, everybody else thinks I'm no good, I'm unclean. And she came and told me about Jesus. She told me about you. She said, said, you're walking about all the cities of Galilee and Jerusalem and laying your hands upon the sick and, and, and they were recovering and they were being healed and demons were being cast out. And I knew that if I just touched, I said to myself, Lord, I kept saying to myself, if I just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And I woke up that next morning and I said it again. I don't know what made me say it. Was something on the inside just made me say, when I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. I just know I'm going to be healed. Well, one day, yeah, I was just laying in bed, you know, just like usual. And, and all of a sudden, I heard some noise. I heard a crowd of people. And she came running by again. She said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming by this way. He's coming to our city. He's coming by this house. And she says, I knew it, bless God. I knew it was my time. I just knew, Lord, that if I touched your garment, I'd be healed. So I packed up my bags of tradition and threw them out the window. I didn't care what the doctor told me I had to die. I threw it out the window. I didn't care what anybody said about me being unclean. I threw it out the window. I don't care if Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, was right there. I threw it out the window. But I got my little body together and I said I'm going to come out there and I'm going to touch but your garment and I made my way to the crowd and people pushed me around they didn't think I was going to make it but bless God I didn't care what anybody said or did I caught on my knees the last 10 yards and I grabbed a hold of your garment and when I did I was made instantly healed and whole glory be to God whole glory that's what she said didn't you see that in there that's what she said that's what she said and Jairus' eyes got real big, and all the other people didn't know what to do, but bless God, she testified for Jesus, right in the midst of them all. And Jesus said unto her, don't you love it, daughter? Go thy way. Behold, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go thy way and go in peace, and behold, thy plague. Hallelujah. Now, who's what do you like better? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Hearing the truth, Jesus' way. That's Jesus' way. She didn't have to go to one shot, not one pill, not eat hospital food or anything like that. No! Bless God. I better stop right there. How much time we got, brother? One minute. Well, Hallelujah. I want it all on tape, so we're just going to have to close it right here. Well, aren't you glad that we can have vision? Well, there is no vision of people past. I could see that little woman running right up to him right now. Oh, hallelujah. Can you imagine when she, how boldly she gave her testimony? Oh, glory. Can you imagine the joy in the face of the master? Can you imagine his heart of compassion? Oh, glory. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.